Greetings, sports fans and Catholic radio listeners. I'm Steve Ferguson, and joined by our co-host Brad Moore, and this is Two Guys in a Conversation. Brad, we're in our fourth show and having a lot of fun and uh, ready to talk a little Siouxland sports in our first section here. Uh, opening up with Helan uh, versus Glenwood. Tough game for the Helan Crusaders at Memorial Stadium, losing 17-0. Yeah, it, uh, Helan started 0-2. Uh, it's not often that that happens. Uh, Glenwood was a good team, but uh, the momentum switched on the opening kickoff. Camden Lee returns a kick 97 yards, untouched. Uh, trailing the play, uh, a kid from Glenwood uh, pushes down a healing kid. I think it was uh, Dom Bailey, pushes him down in the back. Worst call I've ever seen in high school sports, period, around Siouxland. The, the referee, I don't know whether he was blind or, uh, or whether he, he forgot um, who did the pushing by the time he conferred with the other uh, referees. But uh, anyway, it got called back, and that was a big momentum killer there. Well, you know, the question is, was he colorblind, obviously? But, uh, you know, one of the keys, Brad, in officiating is to not let your ego get in the way. I think the best officiate uh, officials sometimes, hey, I, I called that wrong. Tell the coaches, change the play. I mean, do you think you never know what happens in those referee huddles, but it sounds like it was such a blatant missed call that uh, I, there's no excuse for it. A totally blatant missed call. And that's where when the referee, when he uh, steps into that little huddle, if he forgot uh, what just happened, then he's just got to say he forgot. Yeah, and, exactly. and they'll make it right. So Heelan uh, opened up with a, a new quarterback. Brad Hogue was out with an injury. And you know how much we talk about it. You know, you're an old quarterback, Brad, about the difficulty of just making that step, you know, a youngster coming in and that's a, that's a big uh, stage and, and uh, obviously may have impacted their offense. Well, I, I was lucky enough to start in high school as a sophomore uh, towards the end of the season. And let me tell you, when I stepped on the field that first game, I was wetting myself. So <laughs> I know what he was going through. He's very capable. Uh, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. It's another interesting test. They're going up a big, big physical team. Glenwood was, um, and, uh, you know, so now we have two different measuring sticks for the Healing Crusaders as they start getting their uh, preparation for uh, district play. We know that Healing's going to continue to improve, but uh, what do you think they got out of that game, Brad? Uh, what, what's going to help them going forward? Well, I, I think, again, they've got a lot of skilled players. Um, the, the quarterback has got to find Camden Lee. He had 168 yards and two touchdowns versus East. One catch for six yards. Wow, they really uh, really shut us down there then. So, you know, as we look around the, uh, the area and we're, we're starting to get our feet wet and two guys in the conversation, uh, we're starting to look at some of our other uh, parochial school friends in the, in the area. And uh, there's a kid out in Carroll Kemper, Brad, that I don't know how the Hawkeyes, how he did not commit to the Hawkeyes. Blake, yeah, he, Blake Gunnerson. He's got to be a superstar. <laughs> well, he's a highly, highly uh, regarded uh, defensive end and uh, was a good get. Actually, it really came down to Iowa State versus Nebraska. And and uh, so Nebraska got a good one there. He was out last year. And so obviously to get that much attention going into his senior year, he's got to pretty, be a pretty special athlete. I know Nebraska is very high on him. So um, as we, uh, we talk a little bit about some of our other schools in the area, Galen uh, over in Lamar is a, a, always a quiet, solid program in, in football and basketball. And, and they do uh, great things uh, over there every year. Off to a 2-0 start playing Woodbury Central. But the game I've got on the calendar is September 20th with West Sioux and the uh, All-State quarterback that's going to Iowa State. That's one we're going to have to talk about in the upcoming shows, Brad. Um, hey, breaking news. 
breaking Siouxland sports news. Our, our good friend, my good friend, and uh, Jeff Donaldson's daughter, Brittany Donaldson, former North High All-Stater, UNI women's basketball player, was just named an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, how great is that? Uh, being one of 10, I think, uh, female coaches in the NBA. Uh, she joins head coach Nick Nurse, who's a UNI alum. I had the uh, uh, the privilege of coaching against Brittany when she was at North, and what a fierce competitor and great basketball player she was. Well, if you know anything about her history, when she was at UNI, she went through multiple surgeries um, on her knees and on her legs uh, just to be able to compete. And I believe she might have got a medical red shirt, and, and it was there maybe five or six years, but that that uh, certainly shows uh, the kind of competitor she is and, and the desire to play. But her uh, dad, Jeff, uh, is a Hall of Famer in the high school ranks from basketball, former Briarcliff great player. Yeah, very talented golfer. And uh, a great coach that really no one probably knows. Uh, he just quietly does his job at, as an assistant at the Healing uh, Girls Program. But uh, I've had the privilege of watching him do some one-on-one -on -one work and uh, – Brittany's obviously got some trickle down there from Jeff, and I think she's going to be a very, very special person uh, in that NBA uh, uh, ranks. And I had the distinct uh, opportunity and pleasure to see her uh, in Game Four of the NBA Finals this year. We just happened to be in the uh, in the uh, Oakland area with a little family outing. My kids were with me, and we were able to fortunately get some tickets and go to that game. And Brittany came down; she's good friends with my daughter-in-law, and it was really cool to listen to her talk and and then see her celebrating with the Raptors uh, at the end of that championship game. Uh, so, hey, a couple other notes. Dakota Valley, you know, Dakota Valley program out here, Brad, and in our area is ranked number two in Class A, knocked off number four, Double A Yankton. Big yeah, win. They, they moved up a class, and I think Yankton, uh, actually prior to that uh, loss, was as high as number two. But Eric Johnson, 165 yards. Zion Robinson, three touchdowns. A lot of productivity from the running back position. Jeff Vandenhall is uh, building a strong tradition up there at Dakota Valley. I've known Jeff uh, Vandenhall for a long time. He, uh, uh, he was the baseball coach for my oldest son um, when he was uh, in the teener program and had the chance uh, be, to, to play with Coach Vandenhall and, and, uh, in one summer, and it was an absolute great experience. Um, Jeff uh, is a really class guy, and it's good to see them doing well out there. But it sounds like it's it's a team that's got great speed on the line, uh, great team speed, and uh, they've got the facilities out there too. That field is really nice, the Bob Peterson Field, Brett. It's a really incredible facilities. The gym, uh, basketball gyms, uh, great uh, football. Uh, some of my uh, uh, employees uh, were very involved in that, and I got to see it. Uh, be, be created uh, throughout the whole process, and they spend a lot of money, and it shows. So a couple of final uh, notes on our Siouxland sports uh, discussion here. Iowa Men's Fast Pitch Hall of Fame Ceremony is coming up, and here's a couple of names, Brad. Steve Van Ginkle from Sterling Computers and out of here in Dakota, Dakota Dunes uh, is being uh, inducted, uh, along with uh, Mark Paulson, a good guy that I know well, and uh, some other big names that all you softball uh, people would recognize, including Ron Agee and uh, Doug Payton, Steve Anderson, Jack Larson, Steve Phillips, Keith Boots, Michael Olson, and Bob Grady. So I congratulations to Gink. A lot of uh, great softball players from the area. And the best thing about that induction uh, for Gink is that uh, we put his 
pitcher, his old pitcher with his long white mullet up on the big screen for a week straight. <laughs> That's great. Hey, we got a ton more to talk about, including Big Ten football coming up in our next section. And uh, we'll catch you on the backside at Two Guys in a Conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in the Conversation. I'm Steve Ferguson here, joined by our co-host, Brad Moore. This is, your, this is our special section of our show. You are entering the room of knowledge, Stephen Brad's room of knowledge. We're going to talk about anything sports-related at this part of our show. It's always fun, but we've been really focusing on our favorite topics, uh, no different than Brad and I sitting in our living room. Uh, discussing Big Ten football. And, and uh, if you have ever been around Brad and I, you know that we love talking Big Ten football. And uh, we've, we've started this little uh, Big Ten uh, uh, rankings, roundup list or whatever, and, and, and it's really not ours. I've taken the pen from Brad and put it up here uh, the last two shows, but it's really a, a, a topic that we can talk about. We're going to open up with uh, Ohio State again as our number one. You know, and I would concur. I look at your list up there, uh, Ohio State, uh, number one, definitely is the top of my list. They continue to cruise. But this gets us into the part of the season where it is just so much fun to watch football because now the games matter. It's yeah. it's conference season, and uh, the first two cupcakes that everybody usually plays are out the window. Uh, now it's game on. Yeah, no kidding. Wisconsin, number two team, uh, again, they look the part – I guess uh, my comment about quarterback Cone, uh, I didn't know if he was going to be able to be a playmaker, was really uh, a miss after throwing for, what, over 400 yards. And Wisconsin just looks really solid in all, in all parts of their game, Brad. You know, my favorite thing about Wisconsin, probably my only uh, thing I like about Wisconsin, is I love watching their big linemen. There's no long hair. There's no tattoos. They do nothing to stick out. It's almost as if sometimes linemen are trying to convince other people that they're tough. But all of Wisconsin, they, they look about the same. They're the same size, and they are as good as it gets. And I think they probably have a lot of melted cheese with their beer up there. They want to get their hair in it probably. So, But, uh, yeah, they're a disciplined group up there, no doubt about it. Michigan State, we've got them at number three. D'Antonio, I, I – I like D'Antonio because he's got the, to me, he's got the makeup of Kirk Ferentz. I'm a big Kirk Ferentz fan. He's just pretty no nonsense, tells it like it is, and they're always just tough as nails, and they're playing well. Yeah, I think that uh, I just read that he has the opportunity this next week to become the all-time most winningest coach at Michigan State, which is a big accomplishment. Um, Tulsa, Western Michigan, I don't know how much that showed us. Um, right. You know, I was high on Michigan State and their defense from the beginning. I wasn't sure about their offense. Um, they are scoring, scoring a few points, but I think uh, we'll find out more this week against uh, Arizona State, which is uh, their, their biggest test to date. Yeah, more speed. And, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Brad. I think they're probably – well, they'll be eight and four again. You know, that's that's probably what will happen because it's going to come down their offense. I've got Iowa at five. I moved them up. I was at the Iowa game. I had the privilege of being there. But I saw something um, in Iowa's defense uh, that really was a step forward from the week before. And uh, they look really tough on the interior right now. And again, who have they played? Well, Rutgers is a big Ted team. I don't know if that says much. But they did look the part. We're certainly going to find out this weekend, I think, with mm -hmm. uh, Iowa State. But how about this? To add to that great defense, they've got a great punter. 
Oh my gosh. Great point, Brad. That is maybe one of the biggest offseason gets for them is this punter, Sleep Dalton, that transferred in. He had a 52 and a 54-yard punt uh, from the end zone that were huge. I mean, Kirk Ferentz was just about gushing more over that than uh, than anything else. The Rutgers punter, by the way, should have been special teams player of the week. He pinned Iowa five times inside the five-yard Yeah, line. and I think that Iowa to date has, uh, what, one turnover, just a handful of penalties. So it's typical Iowa. Uh, they're going to be very tough. They're playing uh, Iowa 4.0 right now. Nate Stanley's only making throws that his players can get, low and away, you know, um, high percentage throws. They're running the ball. They're carrying their running backs. Know if they fumble, they're not going to play. <laughs> Ferentz will come out. So uh, more to talk about later on the Hawks. Um, uh, Penn State at number five. They, I don't know, Brad. They didn't play too good in that first half against Buffalo. Yeah, uh, so they got Pitt coming up. Uh, they were not impressive versus Buffalo for sure. 78 yards rushing, you know, against Buffalo. I, I'm not impressed, but uh, we'll see. Pittsburgh will be a little bit more challenged, and then they get into the heart of their Big Ten season. So, uh they're ranked 13 and, and probably going to stay there for another week. Yeah, yeah, they'll stay there. I, I think the Pittsburgh will be a good measuring stick, too. I just, I don't know. I'm just not quite certain on Penn State, mainly because I just not 100% sold on Franklin, except he's been winning a lot. We put Maryland at number six. You have to. They destroyed Syracuse. It's the largest margin of victory for a, for a team that was against a top 20 team that was an unrated team. I believe in 20 or 30 years, Brad. Yeah, Syracuse was number 20 or 21, somewhere around there. And yeah. holy cow, that's all I got to say about uh, Maryland. 79-0 uh, over Howard, 63-20 over Syracuse. They're averaging almost 650 total yards and 70 points a game. So I don't know if you've had a chance to, you know, I watched the Big Ten, the drive and the, you know, the big show and all that. I'll tell you who I'm impressed with is Maryland is their coach. The guy's taken like zero credit. Just talks about the game, what they're working. One of his best comments: "We're just trying to kind of worry about what we do and how we do it." Kind of like the guy. Might have been a perfect fit coming into that place that was a little bit of a train wreck. Uh, dark horse, Indiana. You know, we're going to find out. I believe it. They play Ohio State this week. I think. Yeah, Indiana uh, beat Ball State in Eastern Illinois. So I don't uh, yeah. don't know what you can tell about Indiana so far, but they are two and zero, and they will get a chance to prove it against Ohio State this week. Well, the one thing I like in watching them early, they've got a bunch of playmakers, and uh, they got a, they got a couple guys that Iowa really wanted on the Indianapolis area that are already making a difference for them as freshmen and. And uh, golly, they're, uh, it'll, it'll come down to their defense, but their defense looks much improved. Trending down, Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines, and boy, did they luck out not losing to Army at home. You know, you had to root for Army. It, you know, you had to root for Army, underdog, at Michigan. What a great game. But I'll tell you, I'm still not, uh, I, I'm, I'm still not ready to throw Michigan away. Um, yeah. Army in a week. Uh, to, to prepare for that offense that's a ball control offense. They're going to keep the ball away from your offense. They're going to move the ball. You know, they have been tough in years past to a lot of programs. So uh, Michigan escaped one, but uh, they, they, they can still have a fine season. I think they have to figure out who's going to run the offense, Harbaugh or the offensive coordinator brought in. Hey, Brad, Nebraska, question mark. We have a lot to talk about in Nebraska next show, but give me some quick thoughts before we take a break. All I can tell you is that uh, in episode one, and you asked me who's going to win the West, I said Wisconsin, possibly Iowa, 
I did not jump on the Nebraska bandwagon. I'd been watching Nebraska football for a long time. I had question marks about their uh, offensive and defensive lines. It looks like the defensive line is for real. Uh, they've, they've got some good players. They held up fairly well. Offensive line, I just don't know what to say. They, their offensive line is a real problem right now, and I'm not sure they're going to be better than, than they were last year. Well, I, I think they will be, and here's what the Kirk Ferentz would say in a loss like this. We're really wanting to play our best football in Nebraska. I mean, in not Nebraska, in November. You know, so he said, we're, all, we're going to look forward. And Iowa's lost a ton of early season games like this where you just, as an Iowa fan, just wanted to go, oh, my gosh. And I can feel the pain for Nebraska after actually having that big league. But you know what? They're showing signs of really being on the right track. And I think they'll bounce back in a big way. And this could actually be something positive for them. They've only got two seniors on their two-deep uh, roster or depth chart on offense. So they're very young. And, and maybe they'll come along, but uh, they got to grow up in a hurry. They might have needed this just to bring them down to earth a little bit and realize, hey, listen, we do have to play 60 minutes of football, and there's a lot of hype around them. But So it may not be the world's worst thing. It wasn't a conference game. So it'll be interesting to see how the Cornhuskers respond here. And, and there's more for us to talk about with the Huskers, uh, a lot more coming up on our uh, uh, sports roundup in our final section of our show. Uh, two guys in a conversation here on 88.1 Catholic Radio. And uh, we'll see everybody back here in just a few minutes. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with co-host Brad Moore. And this is our college sports roundup. More to talk about on the uh, Iowa uh, Hawkeyes and, and uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers and uh, Iowa State was off this week, but we're going to open up with uh, a little discussion on what's happened at Morningside and Briarcliff. Morningside had a bye week, and uh, but two Morningside players were very happy, Brad. Uh, Bo Ells and Nicholas Gustav attended the Colorado University game. Bo's father is a defensive coordinator for Colorado, and Coach Ryan let them uh, off. The, they had a bye week, let them not practice Saturday, so he made a quick trip out there and Got a chance to see his dad coach against the Cornhuskers. And Gustav's brother's an outside linebacker for Colorado as well. So there's a little connection from a couple Mustangs there. Women's volleyball. Morningside stumbled in their GPAC opener against Rick Pruitt's St. Mary's team, losing in five sets. Uh, the very tough uh, GPAC conference with uh, St. Mary's at the very bottom, uh, defeating Morningside uh, in preseason rankings anyway. Uh, they rebounded to beat Dakota State, though, the, the, uh, the following uh, Friday night. Sitting at eight and two, and uh, they're going to have a rough section possibly coming up here, Brad. They've got Midland, number eight. They got to go on the road to Doan, who's undefeated. Then they got Concordia at home, that's only had one loss, and a critical matchup with Inner City Briarcliff. So let's keep an eye on what's happening there and how their season progresses if they're going to jump to the upper top of the G Pack. What's happening at the Cliff, Brad? So Briarcliff won their sixth straight home game, which is pretty impressive. 13-10 uh, win over Dakota State. Defense allowed just 189 total yards. Uh, Jordan Williams and Stanton Lee combined for 221 yards rushing. Wow. Uh, Briarcliff now kicks off conference play Saturday at 1 o'clock against Dakota Westland. Robert Robinson, uh, defensive lineman, a junior, was named the, named the uh, GPAC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, volleyball, uh, Briarcliff 3-0 at the Prue State Classic. Uh, the win moves Briarcliff to 10-3 on the season, just one shy of last year's win total. 
Uh, Chargers take a 1-0 uh, GPAC record into the home op opener against Dakota Wesleyan at 7.30 p.m. at the Newman Flanagan Center. That's Wednesday, 7.30. Yeah, we're going to have to get out and see some GPAC volleyball here in Sioux City. It's going to be really, really good this year. So, uh, moving on to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, I was at the game, as I told you, and probably the biggest highlight of the game, uh, and, and I mean this purely, was the fact that uh, um, Iowa's defense was dominant, but vastly overshadowed by Pat Green singing Wave on Wave at halftime. Uh, that's the song that inspired the best tradition in college football, the the wave where everybody in, at the end of the first quarter stands and waves at the children and the children's uh, hospital at Iowa City. Um, most of those kids are in very difficult situations, fighting for their lives. It's a big moment in uh, sports. And uh, every time that I'm, I'm there and get to participate, it is a, really, Brad, it's a, an incredibly cool experience. Yeah, I think it's especially cool when it's at night and they turn the phones on. Uh, it's pretty special. Yeah, Pat Green, a Texas, Texas, Texas Tech graduate, is decked out in Hawkeye gear, and I think we're getting him converted. Hats off to him. There's two, two trips to Iowa City. He's made donations from his foundation, the Children's Hospital. And uh, certainly it's probably had a little bit of an impact on his life uh, from what a song can mean and what it's uh, really stimulated there. So just a, just a really, really cool thing. Uh, a couple notes from the football game, too. Uh, we talked last week, Brad, about A.J. Epineza not getting uh, any major stats. He totally dominated the game from the perspective. He had quarterback hurries, four of them. He's had a sack. He forced two interceptions. And literally look like uh, a junior high football quarterback going against a varsity. That differential. They were throwing the ball all over the place. He was just terrorizing by knocking. The, you know, I'm an Iowa fan. I've got the juice in me. He is the real deal, in my opinion. Brad, the best I've ever seen for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, and he's a disruptor, and he's going to draw two to three people. They're mm -hmm. always going to know where he is, which is going to open things up for uh, blitzing linebackers or other linemen. You know, he's a guy that uh, probably cares a lot more about the wins and losses than he does about his sack total. That's been the reason he probably went to Iowa. His dad is a legacy. He's a legacy. His dad uh, was a player there. But all of his interviews are very humble, you know, about his uh, uh, where he's going to be, potentially a top 10 draft choice. Uh, I was hoping to get Larry Jackson back by Michigan, although their offensive line is they're rotating seven guys. The Paulson twins from Mobile look fantastic. Nate Stanley looked the part. Uh, we got a big one coming up this weekend at Iowa State as game day is going to be there, Brad. Yeah, that's a big event. Well, Michael Rizek talked to him this morning when he visited his dad and I at coffee, and uh, he guaranteed an Iowa Hawkeye victory. So uh, you can probably bank on it because that kid is pretty knowledgeable. Four straight wins for the Hawks. Uh, it'll, be a, it'll be an atmosphere. I, I'm going to be there. I can't wait. All right, Brad, let's talk Huskers. I need some, you know, we briefly touched on it. You made some great comments, but We've got about, you know, three minutes or so to, to really focus on what's going to happen now in this next game. What's Scott Frost going to do preparing for this next game? Well, first thing he's got to do is he's got to pull his quarterback aside and he's got to tell Martinez, uh, no more turnovers, no more fumbling. Uh, you're a running back in the backfield, so hold on to the ball like you're running back. Two costly, costly fumbles from Martinez. He's got 18 turnovers in the last 13 games wow. by himself. Yeah. Um, and they've all been killers. Uh, a lot of them have been game changers. Nebraska came out in the second half and had four straight drives with a chance to put the game away, uh, and they couldn't move the ball. They just they, they couldn't get a first down. They yeah. couldn't sub yeah. sustain a drive. And with that quick quick strike offense, you know they're on and off the field in a minute. Yeah. 
And Colorado's back on offense. I think the elevation had a little bit to do with it because Nebraska's defense looked gassed at the end. That's a great point. And Colorado's got a great offense. They've got playmakers. You knew it was coming. Um, They're one of the the offensive leaders this year uh, nationally. So they just needed to get a key stop or a key score or take some time off the clock. And I saw it last year several times. And again, I, I hate to hound on it, but Nebraska has speed and they've got playmakers. But until that offensive line can, can sustain a drive when they have to, they're going to struggle against good teams. Well, you know, I had the opportunity to be Steve Frost, coach in Nebraska, on our, one of our shows, and that was my whole point. The time that you needed to be able to make a first down running the ball, you've got to lean on that offensive line. And uh, that is the part that we have to watch, Brett. If they can make a step forward. Now, I don't know. Can you do that within a season? Is it timing? Is it execution? Is it pure physicality? Is it mental? That's what the question's to be. I, I mean, I'd be on the sled if I was Scott Frost. I'd, have, I'd, be, the, I'd be down there with my linemen because that's, that's his team right there. If so, those guys execute, they're going to be good. Yeah, Cameron Jer- Jergens is a, a freshman center. Uh, he's having a rough start. He, he whiffed. Uh, on the last play of overtime and allowed this the sack he, oh, yeah. he snapped it low then he whiffed on the block and um you know they're real high on the kid and he he was a high school tight end uh he's very athletic very tough uh he does improve um or he did improve from week to week but uh he, you know he, he could probably come along and and they'll be all right but they've got some issues at tackle they've got some uh, linemen that are probably out of position, uh, guards playing tackle and a, a young center. We'll see what they can do. Yeah, that's going to be the thing to watch, Brad. I, I totally agree as an outsider. I'm going to watch that line play for Nebraska. And uh, it'll be fun as we get back next week and just see what's happened. Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska in the, in the next change. What's Michigan going to do? And more Big Ten football, more college sports. And uh, big game for Morningside and Dort coming up this weekend. I want to thank everybody for listening to Two Guys in the Conversation. Uh, we're going to sign off and uh, call it a show, Brad. Thanks for listening, everybody.